and welcome to Map Bites, episode 48. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host Mike Thomas. In this episode, better behaved batteries, ponderous printer power-ups, silicon wraps, don't ask, and magic wands. But first, better behaved batteries. Yes, I put a call out last week regarding my battery problems and James Fisher came back to me on Twitter and said regarding batteries for Magic Mouse, I use Sanyo. Now I'm going to have problems pronouncing this because I have no clue, but it looks like on a loop rechargeables and he assures me that they last a long, long time, weeks and weeks in fact, and in a flash gun, a year. So I had seen those before. Uh, they were quite expensive, I think, when I looked at them the first time. They are much more cost effective now, so I might well be giving those a go. Andy in Surrey recommended Energizer batteries, which are the ones that ship with most Apple products. Those were the ones that leaked all over my trackpad, so I'm not too fond of Energizer batteries. But I was really surprised because I didn't hear from anyone using Apple batteries. Now, come on, someone must have bought them. Somebody must have paid silly, silly money for a battery charger because it has an Apple logo on it. Yes, and you also get Apple stickers. Well, you see, if there's stickers in there, I need them. I collect Apple stickers. I don't actually stick them on anything, have you noticed? I just have a large collection of Apple stickers. But come on, somebody has bought it. Somebody has. And I'd love to know uh, how they compare with either the energizers that shipped with it or anything else that you might have tried. So I'm still on the fence and desperately waiting for input from the MacBiters. Would those Energizer batteries be like the Energizer Bunny? Well, mine weren't. They were more of a dead donkey. <laughs> mm. They were working fine. Uh, it powered it until they, they, you know, died. But when I opened it, they had been in about six months and they just spewed forth inside it. It was a nightmare to clean it out. So. Lovely. Yes. And of course, there's battery acid in it, so... Uh, there's like marks on it that just won't come off anyway. Not impressed with Energizer batteries, I'm afraid. Not had good use of them. Now, all over your lovely Apple kit. Luckily, it was on the inside. If it had been on the out, I would have been at Apple and playing hell over my batteries. But um, I, I managed to clean it up sufficiently to continue using it. So there you go. Now, another iPhone owner at work um, wants to sync their calendar. Oh, no. Not that can of worms again. After the file print tip of last week, go on, what's the suggestion this time? A uh, tablet of stone? No, uh, Minster came up with a suggestion, which, uh, more about that later, I think. Ah, no, see, Minster wouldn't recommend a tablet of stone. No, definitely not. No, Minster's groovy and with it, and far beyond a tablet of stone. Now, I've got something really exciting to, to mention. I'm excited. Hey, <laughs> it floats my boat. I have a Brother HL2035 printer, and as any regular listener will know, it powered on as soon as I opened the print dialog, even if I was intending to create a PDF. And it was driving me mad. It was driving me mad as well. We've, we've had that issue for quite a while, and I did the same. I'd uh, uh, open up the, the dialog box, and the next thing, I'd hear the printer whirring up behind me. Well, the printer's actually on the network, so of course all the printers are print, uh, all the computers would print to the same one. Um, I, in the end, we have two printers. We have a colour laser jet as well, which I have turned off most of the time. The thing is with this brother, it doesn't have an off switch. If it did, everything would be fine. 
But it's one of those... Uh, do you remember the purple button ones from many moons ago from Hewlett-Packard? I remember that. I remember yeah. bringing one of those home for the weekend <laughs> As you in do. a Pantechnican. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, we were printing manuals out, I seem to recall. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were the one of the first ones to instigate this kind of power management and say you didn't need an on-off button, which is fine, as long as it doesn't power on as soon as you're trying to create a PDF. And that was my problem, so I'd actually changed it to my colour printer and it was driving me mad. Well, I've only waited 20, or 20 months-ish. Yeah, about that. They fixed it! Uh, yeah, just in time to break it again in Lion. Now, spoil sport. Let me have my moment. Let me have my moment. Um, they had I every time they brought out a, a point release to the OS, I'd check and no, they hadn't fixed it. They snuck this one past me, you know. Unbelievably, they did this, and I did not notice for two weeks. They released um, an Apple Brother printer driver update 2.5. And I don't really rush to put printer driver updates on, you know. Uh, I don't, one, I don't print out very much. It's mainly PDFs I create. And two, I have had problems in the past when I've updated and then something has broken. So I wasn't in any particular rush. Uh, finally, I thought, oh, yes, I'll, I'll put that on. You know, I've not heard anything too terrible about it. So I, I will install it. And I did. And I just carried on as normal. I honestly didn't notice. And then this particular day, I was processing mail for something we'll, we'll talk about shortly. And... I was printing lots of PDFs from my mail, so it was mainly receipts and things. And what I was doing was opening the print dialogue and, and doing the save as PDF, which I've got on a shortcut key. And I thought, ha, huh, it's not powering up. I'm moving that fast now. I'm faster than it can power up. And then I had to stop and find the date for one. And I realised, no, it hadn't powered up at all. So obviously I checked to see if the printer was broken, which it's not. So I am happy. I am happy, finally. And then, of course, you have to mention Lion, and that set me off again now. Yeah, and you said to me, you said, uh, go to the, open up something, go to the print dialog box, which I did, and I'm waiting for you to, to <laughs> tell me what to do next. <laughs> and, and I'm sat I, there, aren't I, gesturing, hand, hand, hand. And, it took me and about you didn't notice. Two minutes to realise it wasn't powering up. Ah, uh, exactly. Well, it's fixed. It's fixed. So if you do have a brother printer, I can recommend that 2.5 update. It's fixed. Uh, in other news to do with things that are not fixed, sadly, I mentioned in the last show that I was having a problem with Pixelmator, that 1.6.2 was fine, 1.6.4 and 1.6.5 was broken. Well, in the interim, I had written to support at Pixelmator, um, and uh, you know how you do, you give them all the information, because you know if you don't, they'll come back and they'll be asking silly questions. So I, I put all the information about this, this issue in there, the version I was using and my computer set up, the whole thing. And I got a one-line reply. It's broken. <laughs> yes. Helpful. That sounds like a Steve Jobs reply. True. Luckily, it was dot, 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 but we're working on it. <laughs> so, hopeful, but not anytime soon by the look of it. Yes, it, um, it asked me if I wanted to update last week, and I uh, luckily I remembered not to. Yes. Well, I do have the old one, which I, I could install, but, you know... What would I have to moan about? Uh, anyway, better news, better news. Some musings from MacBytes headquarters. Uh, we talked about our site update and we mentioned the feed, that we transferred our feed and that um, if you weren't hearing the show, it hadn't worked. But it worked! In fact, 
Yeah, I thought it all seemed to work suspiciously well. Of course, it maybe it didn't work because the people didn't hear the show so couldn't come back to us, but... Oh, no, no, we had lots of people coming back, so I know that it worked. Simon, in fact, did the cheering that, yes, it had worked and confirmed it for us. So, yes, it did actually work. Like I say, suspiciously well. That's when I start to worry, which was good that I started to worry because what happened then? Yes, we had a slight issue with our child categories in WordPress. Yes, I said that we'd um, completely rebuilt the website and people probably think I'm insane. They probably go and look at the website and think, no, there's not one pixel different than before. But we had actually done a lot of work on it. The installation that we had before we made these last changes was actually the original installation from four years ago now. So we did at the time uh, what everybody did. We installed it to a folder called WordPress or blog or show notes, uh, you know, something logical. And then we repointed the directory to it because we don't have anything on there that's not in WordPress. Um, of course, since then, I've had to go into WordPress in a lot more detail and I'm reading things that are saying, don't do that and don't make the table prefixes that you create logical, just make them random. Now I thought, oh dear. So pretty much it was um, a case study in how not to install WordPress for maximum security. So we made the decision that we would redo the whole thing, uh, clean install, full bit. So of course we had to export everything, which I thought went swimmingly well, didn't you? Yeah, that was uh, that was great. That was the easy bit. Mm. And then we came to import it all. So we did do a lot of tests. This was probably over Christmas and early January, wasn't it? And we did do tests and... You told me they seemed to work well. Oh, it would be my fault. Well, you did say that. <laughs> I've rendered you speechless now, haven't you I? You have. Anyway, right, so we ran some imports. Now, the thing was, what happened was, when it imports all your, the posts, the images, the, the comments, everything, it imports it, it uses a plugin. So I wasn't aware of that because I didn't do the import, I did the export. See, it was it's, my fault. Yeah, it's this job sharing that did it. So, um... Well, we both checked it, didn't we? Come on. Um, it, it automatically, when you go to import, it says you need to install a plugin to run the import. So you installed the plugin, you ran the import, and we both checked it. And it looked like it worked. Mm. But it didn't. No, it didn't. Uh, what it did do was bring in the child categories. Now, child categories, if you're thinking, what is she talking about? Child categories are listed in the menu on the right-hand side of the MacBytes site. And it's things like, it would say reviews, and then underneath that, hardware reviews, software reviews, and any other type of reviews that we do. And instead of them being nicely indented and displayed correctly, they weren't indented, so it just looked like a complete mess of menu items. And I was sure that I'd tick the necessary box for creating a hierarchy, which is what you're supposed to do. And it was just one of those quick things that I said, oh, by the way, I think that box needs checking. So can you go and sort it out? And you went and had a look and you said, no, it's already checked. And it's like, oh, no. So I went into the categories and maybe if, if you've tried this, then you'll be seeing it. Because once, of course, we realised we had a problem, we were Googling and we realised we weren't alone. Which is, whilst comforting, not actually very helpful unless you find a solution and there were no solutions but other people did have the problem when you go into the back end of wordpress and you look at your categories only the parent categories are even displayed so if i wanted to rename one of my child categories they just weren't there for renaming 
Now, luckily, we're in a position where I do sort of the design side of it and you do the actual raw SQL side with... Um, come on, name of app, name SQL of app. SQL Pro. That's the Great one. Great app. So you could actually see that the child categories were there. They were in the front end. They just were not in the back end. We could have renamed one if we'd have really, really needed to. But... You would, it would, I don't think normal average users would not be wanting to use a SQL application to access data, I don't think. So it was, it certainly wasn't ideal. So I could see your eyes glaze over. You had that look of blind horror. I always have that look of blind horror. You do when I start saying what <laughs> we need to do. <laughs> and I could see it and I thought, oh, bless. But it still needs fixing. So, um, <laughs> suck it up so i i came up with a plan for what we'd have to do um which from memory i said we'd have to add a new one and see if it appeared and if it didn't then we'd have to check the back end and all of this so i put in place a complete plan and i went in because what i then did was of course to prove that it wasn't just uh, something wrong with the site or something wrong with this version of wordpress i went to other sites that we'd done exactly the same with and we had the same problem and like I've said, it was exactly the same problem other people were reporting too. So I went in and I added a new child category. You at this stage were probably hyperventilating as well. Uh, most definitely hyperventilating, mm. yes. But I added the child category and it appeared. So I thought, oh, right. So new child categories were appearing, existing ones were not. So I thought, right, what I'll have to do is get you to rename the old ones in the back end and then recreate new ones and reallocate posts. So, oh, I was in my element, wasn't I? I, I was planning. I was plotting and I was planning and I was 7100ing, as we call it, which is a Microsoft exam for planning that you don't like. So I was doing all of this and it was fine. So we had one category that was working, one child category. Anyway, I refreshed the page. I went back to another page, went back to it and adding that one child category solved the problem all the others suddenly appeared and I checked with another site you know didn't add another child category just trying to make it work without and it wouldn't work so what a ridiculous fix the fix was to add another child category and then you could delete that new category if you wanted got to love computers haven't you <laughs> yes I love it when they're logical not quite so keen when they're not Anyway, uh, one of the other changes we made and didn't mention was that we now have another feed for you. Uh, we've had people contact us and say that they prefer an MP3 over the enhanced version, which is an M4A, because of, of car radios and all sorts of stuff. So you need an MP3. Well, there's always been an MP3 available from the shows page, but now we've got a dedicated feed for it. So if you do need an MP3 and you'd rather be subscribed to the MP3s, then you will find a link for that on the shows page. And what else mustn't they forget? Oh, you mustn't forget MacBytes Mail, our newsletter. Yes, the first issue finally hit the presses and landed in inboxes. And uh, we've had lots more subscribers this week. So if you've not subscribed yet, because there'll be uh, issue two coming with this show, then go to any page on the MacBytes website and sign up. Come and join us. Now, my iPhone got a Christmas present this year. Just a minute, just a minute. Is this iPhone related? It is. Oh! iPhone, iPhone, iPhone! I, I thought you were going to count me in then. You don't want me to count you in. You left me there on my own. Right. One, two, three. iPhone, 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 iPhone. 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 <laughs> oh, we are so out of practice. Anyway, get on with it. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, one of the most useful presents that I got uh, at Christmas was a silicon case for my iPhone. Ooh. Now, when the iPhone 4 was released, I duly purchased a bumper uh, to protect my new toy. I'm assuming everyone, um, all our listeners know what a bumper is by now. Um, but it's, it's if you don't know, it's the thin, hard plastic band that wraps around the phone. And... My problem is, I've got a couple of problems. One problem is that I don't like in-ear headphones. Um, I think, I, I just don't like things in my ear. Um, and the headphones that I use with my iPhone have a short connector that is moulded into a wide piece of rubber. I've actually gone to, to put a picture of this on my uh, my blog post that I've written so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. So we have rubber and silicon in the same story. We do. Cool. Yeah. Exciting. Mm. Now, when I push the headphones into the socket on the iPhone, the combination of the short connector and the rubber, I'm sure there must be something in there that you can comment on. Nope. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> and the fact that the bumper kind of adds um, an extra few millimetres to the height of the phone means that the headphone jack won't push down far enough. Um, and therefore you can't actually hear anything out of the headphones. I've got a similar problem with an audio cable that I use to connect my iPhone to my car radio. Now I do have a device which will plug into the charging slot at the bottom of the phone and then wirelessly transmit the audio from the iPhone to my car radio, but the problem I've got there is that due to the width of the plastic casing at the bottom of the, uh, the bumper, it wouldn't connect properly. So pretty much, if you've got a bumper on, nothing connects with it at all. That's right. I mean, you, you wrote a blog post a while ago, didn't you, about certain chargers not working with a bumper? I was incensed about cables, I must admit, because I, I'd had cables going right back to uh, iPod Video 5th Gen. And the cable that came with that was fairly sturdy. And the um, bit that you're talking about that connects to the connector at the bottom actually had little clips on the side. So you pushed in two sort of plastic bits and it meant that you could put in the charger without it sort of scratching at the bottom. The newer ones are much smaller, much thinner, but they don't have these buttons. So you've got to sort of do it at a slight angle. And the, the two there's two tiny metal things that stick out either side. And to be honest, they do scratch if you're not very, very careful. The other problem I had was as time went by and they made these things much thinner, the actual cables themselves were much thinner and the way that they connected to the plastic head of it, they didn't last five minutes. So my father's was broken and had bare wires. I think yours was as well. I'd got a broken one. So what I'd done just before iPhone 5 came out was replaced everybody's cables. Um, they were obviously a lot more cost effective than the Apple ones. I got them from a marketplace seller on Amazon and they, they were just a few pounds. But when they arrived, I was actually blown away that they were so much better made. Obviously, they, they don't look quite as sleek, but they've got the two buttons on the side so you can push the cable in and not damage anything. The cabling itself was much thicker and where it connected to the head, it had a sort of proper, like you're saying, rubber sheath on it that meant you could bend the cable any way you liked and it, and it wouldn't snap so I thought these cables that I bought were absolutely fantastic and so they were for about a week and then iPhone 4 came out with the bumper and that was the end of that yeah now what I found with my my FM transmitter which I know you're going to go and talk about this um, in a few minutes but I was finding that I would push it into the charging slot and 
within a few seconds it had pushed itself out so it, it's 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 because of the bumper because the bumper's got those extra few millimeters it just won't connect properly um which is why I was using an audio cable to connect my iPhone to my car radio and then I had the same problem at the top end and so I was actually well I remember getting you a different audio cable for that and I had to get one that was very very thin so it was literally barely wider than the actual jack itself yeah and that snapped as well didn't it because it's just too thin yeah I was actually having to take the bumper off in the car um, if I wanted to use the iPhone and plug it into the the stereo so, what does a £1.49 case do that a £25 bumper doesn't? Pretty much everything. Yeah, well, not only does my new case have uh, a back on it, which protects the glass, it's non-slip and it's waterproof. And, most importantly, there's enough room around the headphone socket and the charger socket to allow me to use any charger, my headphones and my sending device. Now, it was purchased from 7 Day Shop, I'll put a link in the show notes, and uh, I love it. There's actually a, a very similar case with a, a slightly different pattern. We call it the tyre mark pattern, don't we? Yeah, it's a bit boy racer. That's why I got yeah. you the other one. Was it the, the petrol heads you called it? Yeah, boy <laughs> racer type. No, 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 you don't want that. It's, it literally looks like um, it's made out of tyres, doesn't it? It it's does got look a, that way. a tyre pattern right across it. But um, yeah, some people might like that one. I prefer the other one. But yeah, it does work very, very well. It's surprising. Because I, I, I didn't dislike the bumper. I can't say I, I'm a great fan of it, but... The, the one thing with the bumper was it lifted it slightly off the table. So you didn't have the problem of putting a glass-backed device down on a table. But apart from that, it made using everything else pretty difficult. So I wasn't a great fan either. So I've changed over to one of these things as well. And you mentioned the FM transmitter. Yeah, I've used those before. Um, they are smallish devices that you usually plug into the headphone socket. They then broadcast what they pick up to a very small area, so maybe just sort of 5, 10 feet. So the idea is that you have your device and you have your FN transmitter in front of your car and it transmits it to your car radio. Also would work in a house or at work if you had an FM radio to pick it up with. Uh, the ones I'd had, mm, they, they, they did work, but they used batteries um, normal double, AA or AAA batteries. Because of that, they were fairly large and they tended to have a sort of short six inch cable sticking out, which was pretty awkward to use when you were trying to connect it to whatever you were trying to connect it to. It's quite the, too short, I always found. Yes, you don't want it too long because then it's sort of sliding around on the floor, but it just didn't seem long enough and you don't want this thing rattling around on the front seat. Um, next to your precious device which probably cost hundreds of pounds mm. so I, I never found any they, they worked that's all i'd say but they weren't they certainly weren't perfect the thing that annoyed me was the batteries were forever dead because if i brought it into the house i always forgot to put it back in the car so then i'm out and i've not got it with me if i leave it in the car um, they get so cold that they don't last above a couple of weeks so that was a bit of a pain now this one that you're talking about i also got from seven day shop sound like an advert for them but that's where we bought it from and i found it brilliant it's very very small but it's very powerful and it doesn't have a cable on it at all so it doesn't dangle i can't be doing with things that dangle i have mine right here now and i must remember to put it back in the car later <laughs> absolutely so um you clip it in at the bottom 
where you are in the charger slot and you don't need a battery at all it's powered from the device but it's so tiny i haven't noticed that it's using that much power it's certainly not flattening the thing it also works with iphone iphone 4 ipod ipod touch and ipad so you can actually if you if you've got something on your ipad and you want to broadcast that to your car or a radio it works on the ipad as well and it has a remote control as well. Now, I'm not suggesting for one minute that you try and use the remote control whilst you're driving, but it's such a tiny thing. There's only two little buttons on it. So for anything else, you've got this remote control and it's really small and neat remote control as well. Just a flat thing, but lots of functions on it. It also comes interestingly with a car charger. So you can charge your iPhone uh, including iPhone 4, your iPod and iPod Touch. You cannot charge your iPad, of course, because that needs a much more powerful charger. But all of that, so the actual device itself, the um, charger and the remote control is just $5.99. So I thought that was also a bargain as well, which is why I got as a couple. I thought, well, though, it's worth a try. And I think it's very, very good. It's certainly worth it. It is. It's very good. The only problem I've had is um, now and again, I get that electrical interference sound. That's probably when you're switching from one transmitter to another with 3G, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, and sometimes when I, yeah, when, when I kind of am under a tunnel, uh, I, I lose the signal because although it's actually broadcasting, uh, from my, my front seat to my car radio, it must be going out and down the aerial. Mm, I don't know. Well, that's I the, don't go that's the only thing like I can come, come up with. Hmm. It must be some kind of insulation or something. I'm sure we've got some engineer listeners who can fill us in as to why that might be happening. But you need to mention, of course, that this tunnel's at the airport, so they could have blocking equipment or That's something. That's true. It's, it's under the airport. Yeah, if you will choose to go under the airport runway, <laughs> then I'm sure there's something there to stop you doing things that you shouldn't be doing, including listening to your iPhone. Well, I'm always on my best behaviour at the airport. I expect you to be always on your best behaviour everywhere. Of course. Now, moving on, uh, rumour of the week, um, which would interest you. Uh, apparently, I Work 11 launched yesterday. I know. It was a pack of lies and it left me bereft. Mm. Again! According to Best Buy in Mexico, <laughs> on 9 to 5 Mac, I Work <laughs> 11 was launching. And when I actually looked at the story, no, they were talking about I Work 9. I Work 09. Oh... How far behind are they with that story then? It launched two years ago? I know. Yes, I won't be following them anymore. No. <clears throat> and talking about software, uh, I did something this week um, which is normally reserved for you. Yes, I do have a copyright on that, but just this once. But then it is to do with Facebook, so uh, it's not something that you'd be involved in. I'm not good with Facebook. But I'm terrible with Facebook. Everybody knows I'm terrible with Facebook. I can't find a thing on Facebook. Anyway, let, let, me, let me talk about what I did. For years, I've been using a, a fake... Well, when I say years, probably about two years. I've been using a Facebook app, which will automatically take my tweets uh, into Facebook. And that way I can just tweet them and they will appear on my Facebook status rather than me having to type them twice. Now, I know you can use hash FB at the end of your Facebook, of your, your tweets, but um, one... Even I know that. Yeah, but it takes three And extra, I remember once every month, I think. It takes three extra characters and, you know, 
one, I have to remember to do that, and two, often I run out of characters anyway. So that's why I, I tend not to use that. And then I suddenly noticed that um, last week I was looking at my Facebook um, feed and I thought, none of my tweets have come through for about four days. It's interesting that you noticed that and none of your followers. Yeah. <laughs> Probably thought I'd just gone quiet. So what I actually did is I, I, I investigated it and yes, since Facebook changed something, the Twitter app has broken. Fabulous. I even uninstalled it and reinstalled it uh, and it has made no difference. So I did a couple of tests and uh, they didn't come through to Facebook. Um, so I actually wrote onto my Facebook for all my Facebook followers. I haven't gone quiet. Um, just my Twitter app has broken and it's still broken. Uh, and I know a couple of other people noticed this yesterday as well. A couple of my Twitter followers and Facebook followers who do the same thing. The only way I could possibly um, interact with Facebook in any kind of meaningful way is probably with TweetDeck, which I haven't used for quite a while. But when I did, they just added um, the ability to add your Facebook wall. Is this making sense? Yeah. I think it's the wall to a column in TweetDeck. So I did try that for a little bit, but I don't think I was following enough people or enough people following me to, for actually for it to make much sense. I am following more now. I'm, I'm getting there. Very, well, there's something. Slow. There's something for our listeners. Please, please follow Elaine on. Um, oh, please, no, Facebook. No. If you're expecting meaningful interaction, uh, you're going to have to help me <laughs> severely. <laughs> I'm dreadful with it. I am. No, when I log in, I'm well, actually no. I did manage to log in and chat with somebody, didn't I? You did. That was actually quite humorous because I I logged in not to my Facebook. I logged into somebody else's page. It was a theatre, and I was trying to read about this. Um, play that was on and I left this thing open in a tab unaware really you know yes I knew it was a, their Facebook page but I wasn't taking any notice of that and for about half an hour something was pinging on my machine and I don't have my machine making noises it annoys me intensely and I'm thinking what's pinging what's pinging I and I'm at the stage where I'm walking around the office thinking do you remember that battery thing in that timer I do <laughs> It sounded like a, a trapped canary. And I'm thinking, I've left a battery somewhere and it's dying. Is it, the, is it the smoke alarm? I'm all over the office. Anyway, later on I was tidying up uh, pages and there at the bottom was this chat thing and it was a gentleman who was trying to chat with me. Accosted <laughs> online. I, I was, I was accosted online. Um, so I went back and had a quick, quick chat with him. Uh, I didn't explain that why, I, why I'd been so long trying to find him. Well, I didn't know. I've never chatted on Facebook before. Who knew? So there I you go. Guys I don't know these things. There you go, guys and gals. If you want to accost no, Elaine no, on Facebook, it, then she won't reply within about half an hour. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> no, I'm improving. I'm improving. Well, you're, you're giving me lessons, aren't you? So you're, you're teaching me everything I know. I'm blaming you now. Mm. No, I prefer it to come through like Twitter. I think there's too much on, on the Facebook site to interact with all at once I, I don't know where i'm supposed to be looking and then things are pinging at me and it, oh no 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 I, i'd actually prefer it to come through in in a client there is or there was an ecophone client wasn't there for facebook what's that i think there was i never tried it no um, me neither but of course we've got the problem this week with uh, all the twitter clients being bought up by uber media it seems i knew that they had bought well i didn't know it was uber media who had bought ecophone but i know that they already had uber 
Twitter. Uh, no, uh, Uber Twitter, wasn't it? Yeah. And then they bought another one. I think that's for the Android platform. Then they bought Ecophone. And now it seems they've bought TweetDeck. So they seem to be buying their way in, which I prefer a little bit of competition because sometimes you get to a point where there's one client and you think, ah, oh, this is fabulous. It does absolutely everything and I'll never change, which is how I was with Tweety until it started, you know, it started showing its age and the update was so long in the coming that I changed to Ecophone. And now I can't ever see me using anything but Ecophone, but I know that I have to keep an open mind because anything could happen. And this week, anything did happen. And a lot of the clients owned by Uber Media were banned. Now, Ecophone wasn't one of them, but some of the media reported that it was. So, of course, I'm frantically checking just to make sure. Um, and they got banned for breaches of um, API regulations. I don't know if those clients have been turned back on yet, but it's not great for people who have bought clients. They've actually paid for the pro version of clients and then suddenly find that they're not working. Yeah, somebody I tweet with had um, had, had tweeted uh, at the weekend that uh, that she couldn't use, I think it was Uber Twitter, on the BlackBerry because of that. Uh, so I recommended Ecophone, but she's actually gone down the, she says down the official route, so I'm presuming she's using Twitter, the Twitter client. I don't dislike the Twitter client um, for the iPhone, uh, nor the desktop either. It's just sort of adequate. But the, the killer feature for Ecophone for me is that it synchronises. Yeah, I've, I've never used the Twitter client. Um, I mean, I might have to if anything happens to Ecophone, but I've just stayed with Ecophone because of the uh, the sync uh, advantages. I just love it. I don't think there's any any particular feature. Somebody mentioned this week that um, it doesn't integrate with TwitLonger. And I'd never really noticed that. I always try and squeeze it in what I want to say in 140 characters. Me too. It, I never it, twit longer. Apparently, it doesn't support it. Um, and I, I think we, I think we both mentioned it. To, you know, we at Ecofond and didn't hear back. So I don't know whether they would support that or not. That's probably one of the only things that's missing with it. Everything else seems to work very, very nicely. The official Twitter clients just sort of. I don't actually like it too much on the iPad. I can see where they were coming from with it, but no, it doesn't work the way my mind does. I like things fairly straightforward, I, I, as is proved with Facebook, which isn't straightforward in the slightest. So I'd like to see more competition, not less. And that way, you know, everybody's always trying to, they're adding features all the time and, and not consolidating down into, can you imagine if they try to merge all these clients into one? It just wouldn't work. You know, some people like lots of columns, so they have tweet decks. Some people want something small and neat. And you don't want to spend all day configuring the software. You just want it to work. So not too happy with that. And to think that Twitter can just sort of turn off access to a client. You know they can in theory, but you don't like seeing it in practice. Well, I don't, not even if it's a client that I don't use. Uh, it would have been, I think, better if they could have possibly worked with the company. I don't suppose we know how much notice the company had, but the company was saying not much. So uh, good luck if you're still trying to use that and I hope it uh, sorts itself out this week. But I also had some other issues, didn't I? Have had for, ooh, three weeks now. I have mysteriously multiplying mail backups. Yes. I back up my mail every night and I back it up twice. Uh, first of all, I back it up with Mail Steward, which takes copies of my mail and adds it to the Mail Steward database. And that means that I could actually, if I wanted to, delete the mails from my mail client and they would remain searchable, indexable, uh, 
all sorts. I could do anything with them in Mail Steward. I could actually read, I could look for images, I could look for attachments. You just do it via Mail Steward. Now, I don't tend to delete it. Um, I, I work on a yearly basis. The second backup I do is Email Backup Pro. And Email Backup Pro, you set, set it to, I schedule it. So I schedule the Mail Steward Backup first, and then I schedule the Email Backup Pro about an hour later. So both of them close mail down, which is running all the time. And then when it's finished, open it up. So Email Backup Pro closes it down. It does a backup of everything in my mail client. And it also backs up my address book automatically. And it's been doing that happily for many, many years. Gradually, of course, as I've not deleted anything from mail. Now, I do have a minimal inbox. Don't panic. I'm not one of those with 20,000 emails in the inbox. It's all archived. And it's archived fairly simply. Everything's in one folder. I'll use the search to find anything I need. Obviously, the, the size of the backups was increasing gradually, and it had reached 1.5 gig for about three years worth of mail. And then all of a sudden, one day, I'm looking at the backups, and I'm then archiving those backups onto DVD. And suddenly the mail backup jumped. So one day it was one and a half gig and the next day it was three gig. Now, I'm pretty sure in that day nobody sent me a one and a half gig attachment. I think I would have noticed that. Certainly wasn't me. And I don't think that day was any different than any other. So I, I could have um, maybe unarchived that and checked it. But I went through it all and I couldn't find anything at all. It was as if... It had backed it up twice because with it being 1.5 and then going to 3, you automatically assume, right, it's double backed it up. It didn't seem to. So I thought, hmm, just a blip maybe. I'll see what happens tomorrow. Anyway, for a couple of days, it stayed around the 3 gig mark. So I thought, well, it's certainly not going back down. Not even doing it manually was helping. So I thought, hmm. Now, in the meanwhile, I'd, I'd use some other software to optimise my inbox and that made no difference. And the mail folders were reporting back because this Mail Backup Pro uh, compresses the backup as well. So I couldn't really do a comparison between what it was today and what the backup was. It, you know, there, there was no correlation particularly. So I kept my eye on it. And after two days, it backed up again. And this one was 4.5 gig. So you've broken it, you mean? Pretty much, yes. But I'm not actually sure what I've broken. I could have broken Mail. I could have broken Mail Backup Pro. I'm not sure. But my Mail is mysteriously multiplying. It, it always happens to me, doesn't it? You know, I don't... I don't... I don't know what you do. I don't invite this kind of thing, you know. I don't. No, I've no idea what's going on. But uh, I've reached the point, to be honest, with Mail. I'm sh I get Mail through, and I'm sure I didn't sign up for half these things that I'm getting Mail through for. For instance, I've been getting mails about twice a day from Three, the mobile company. I've never been with Three, ever. Somebody said that on Twitter today. Somebody I noticed that, and it was the same mail. Yeah, it was the I was same mail that you. I'd had. And I don't know why I'm getting them, but I'm always. I always think with the things. You know, if it's spam, it's very good spam. You know, it looks like a proper newsletter and of course I think maybe if I unsubscribe then they'll know that I'm there so I didn't know really whether to just sling it in the spam and be done with it but I'm sure I didn't subscribe to this so uh, maybe people out there is this happening to you have three bought a mailing list somewhere because now they're bothering me I don't like that many I mean if you're going to send one in a week maybe but not a couple every day 
The other people who do that that are so annoying is Amazon. If you go to Amazon and, and you're looking for something, you know, a computer book, huh, that wouldn't be unusual, would it? Then the next day they'll send me a mail that say, you know, you were looking for this. Are you interested in this? And it will be a list of computer books. Well, obviously, I'll probably give it the once over, <clears throat> as you do. But, you know, if my mum says to me, can you look up a, a Kenwood Chef mixer? Guess what happens the next day? You get kitchen equipment. Oh, I do. Kitchenalia gone mad. By the handful. That's when the air turns blue. I'm not impressed with that at all. Now, you can go to the site and you can take everything out of your history that you don't want it to use, but I don't think you should really have to. That's, that's really spammy, I think. I don't like that at all. So, pretty much I've got a problem with my mail, mysteriously multiplying. So, is it happening to anybody else? Uh, because maybe together we could work out what's going on. I'm thinking at the minute of... Um, abandoning email i think do you know you know what would have solved the problem don't you go on the map biters probably do well don't you remember the tagline you're lost now aren't you? i am mm. wave would have solved the oh, problem yes. because what was the tagline for wave the new way of email or something like that it was what email would look like if it were invented today that's right that was complete rubbish of course it's nothing like that but uh it would have solved my problem if i i don't know what's going on with it really don't know Never seen anything like that because if you it, for three years it's been fine and it's only three years back because I did new compave, I backed up my old system, archived everything off and started from scratch three years ago. So really, it's been working ever since I moved my mail to the Mac, which is four years now. Everything has been fine. I've used the same software to back it up, and I've kept everything up to date, and it's all been fine, just until the last sort of three weeks, and now it's gone completely mad. But it's been one of those weeks for me, hasn't it? Yep. The Sainsbury's iTunes voucher saga. Or shopping gate, as I call it. Yes, like Ramgate. Oh, this one wasn't good. I'm not good shopping. Everybody knows I'm not good shopping, so they really shouldn't wind me up. Apart from for tech. Well, this was sort of tech, wasn't it? But it wasn't me that was actually going in for them. Right. Sainsbury's advertised a special Valentine's promotion and it was so simple. It was buy two £15 iTunes vouchers and get the second half price. Which meant, for the mathematically challenged, half of 15 is £7.50 plus the first 15 are £22.50. It was simple. Until the poor lady in question got there. Ridiculous. Right, it started. Point one. They denied having any stock at all. Now, they could have sold out, of course. But when she found them, they were obviously lying. She then took them to the counter and they denied there was any offer on them at all. So, when pushed, they agreed that there was 25% off the second one. Now, 25%, where did that come from? The offer was, and I quote, buy one, get the second one, half price. What has 25% got to do with it? Now, at that point, what I would probably have done is ask them to pre-scan it, which is where they just tell you the price, don't they? Yeah, I do that regularly with things. Give me I've, a seen price a lot check. Of, I've seen a lot of people do that with birthday cards and anniversary cards because they've just got a code on, haven't they? Yeah. And often they're, they're, the price they put the prices on like a little stand and that's moved. So I see a lot of people pre-scanning. I don't think they should have a problem with that. 
they refused to pre-scan it and said quite narkily they'd already sold two and there was 25% off the second voucher. Well, the lady in question was pretty savvy and said, just a minute, if there was 25% off both vouchers, that would be the equivalent of getting the second for half price. Aha! No, they said that it wasn't. It was 25% off the second. So, she goes home. So, I had a chat with her and I thought, you know, I felt really bad. It was me that had said, you know, you could get these vouchers and there's some money off. So, I looked it up again online and I thought, I'd, I wouldn't make a mistake like that. And 25% was never mentioned. I'm not going to make it up. It would have been 50% off the second one if we were going to mention percents at all. And I don't know about you, but whenever I mention percents to the general public, their eyes glaze over. Yeah, so sounds like a, an Excel course. It does. You, you've only got to mention percent and, and the hyperventilating. So the, she, she rang to complain. So first thing, of course, you ring the manager. You ask to speak to the manager. Guess what? Not available. But somebody else came on the line who would only give his first name and no job title which I think is appalling, but did say he had the power to do whatever it took to make it right. Sounds fabulous, doesn't it? So he disappeared to investigate and about half an hour later got a junior to ring back and said that if, he, if she could get to the store, he'd be that the manager would be prepared, or whoever this fellow was, would be prepared to sell it at that price. What, you mean the price it should be? That price. Now, she'd actually taken a taxi to the store. The lady in question's in her 70s. So what they were saying was, well, if you can get a taxi back, you know, we'll, we'll let you buy them at that price. And if you go to customer services, they'll give you a £5 gift voucher as a gesture of goodwill. And that wouldn't even cover the taxi fare, would it? You must be joking. I hate that phrase, a gesture of goodwill. You mean you screwed up, so just say it. Don't be giving me this gesture of goodwill. Lady in question wasn't, at this stage, you know, going to take this much further. I, of course, got involved. I thought that was appalling. And, and she sort of said, oh, I, can't, I can't make it back, and that's that. So that was the end of it. Only I thought that's such terrible service and it's the kind of thing that I would go in and try and buy or you would go in and try and buy. So I vented my spleen on Twitter and I said that was dreadful service from Sainsbury's. Sainsbury's, of course, unbeknownst to me, are on Twitter. And they contacted me. They replied and said, please contact this care line and we'll sort it out for you. So I got on to deal with it all. That was on Wednesday. So I gave all the details that I've just given here. And she was actually very apologetic, the lady that dealt with it. But then she works at the call centre, so she's probably got that off pat all day. But she said they needed to investigate and that they would call back on Friday. Needless to say, they didn't. Yeah, and they'll regret not calling you back because Mac bites and so does Elaine. There's a T-shirt slogan in there somewhere. <laughs> there is, and I'd buy one. Mm, true. I just think that is appalling. It's such sharp practice. And when I re researched it on Google, I found that it had been mentioned on a site. Um, oh, this HUK Hot Deals or something like that. And somebody had, had, well, quite a few people had put on there that they pretty much had a similar experience. 
They'd been denied that there was an offer when they went in store. Uh, they said they had no stock and then they found it lurking behind the cornflakes or somewhere. And they just don't seem to want to sell them at this price, which makes a mockery of advertising it. So what people were doing who had managed to get this offer and they were coming back and saying, no, you know, there's there's advertising at the point of sale. Um, they, The people who couldn't get the deal were asking the people who had got the deal to take photos of the advertising at point of sale so they could take it into their store and ask what was going on. I mean, you really shouldn't be at this level. This is ludicrous. So one of the stores in question, I think, was one you use at Cheadle. No, um, no, I don't go there. I go to Sale and I go... T- Sale's mainly the one I go to. Mm, it was Sale that we were having the problem with. <laughs> but that somebody said the Cheadle one, which I'm not sure is the one near John Lewis. It or is. Another one. It ah. is. Well, that's quite a big store. And it, it's in a place where... It's such a big store, I would expect them. It's not sort of a tiny place, is it? It's a massive store. It's a real flagship store for them. And they were doing exactly the same. I think that's sharp practice. So I'll be dealing with them again this week. Aren't they lucky? Lucky people. Mm. But better news. I did see something, despite my horrendous shopping experience, vicariously albeit, I haven't actually set foot in the Sainsbury store. Yet, they've got that pleasure to come. Uh, Yes, shopping. I did find something that I want. Oh, do I want it. It's from 12 South. Now, aren't they the people who make book arc? I think so. You have a look if they're the people who make book arc. Because what they now make is Magic Wand, which is brilliant. It's such a cool idea. In fact, it's not the first time I've seen something similar to it, but their implementation of it is very, very nice. It is, um, it looks like, it's not going to sound great as I describe what it is. Maybe I should just tell you what it does rather than what it looks like. It sort of looks like um, half a cylinder and it. what it does, you clip your wireless keyboard and your wireless trackpad into it and it holds them next to each other. They also provide a sort of T-piece that goes uh, over the join. So once you've clipped everything together, you can actually pick up from either end, and it it looks as though it's integrated, as though the trackpad and the keyboard are integrated. Now, I watched the video, and I think they missed a trick with the video, which is that my first question would have been, can you put that trackpad on the left? Because as everyone knows, I use mine on the left, and and other people are left-handed. Nowhere in the pictures and nowhere in the video did it actually show you with it on the left. But yes, you can. It will work either way. So you literally just clip it in, put this piece on and you've got a single device. I think I'd like that. I don't actually use my trackpad too much, but I I use it a lot when I'm audio or video editing. And you do have to sort of, where did I put that? And and you're kind of groping around the desk because you've moved it slightly. I think that's really cool. Did you see the video? I've not seen the video, but I've just gone to the website. And yes, you're right, they do make book arc. The book arc stand for the iPad. And there's also a book arc stand for the Air. Mm. Uh, The one I'd seen was much longer ago. It was before the iPad was even released. And they actually make one for MacBooks. And I wasn't quite sure how that worked because I was pretty sure if you closed your MacBook, it turned off the external monitor, but obviously there's a way around it. And it, it sort of held it upwards like a book. So it was it would be very good in a circumstance where you're trying to get air around the MacBook. And we did look at it when we got our iPads, but I couldn't get the iPad stood up properly in it. So I went for... Um, 
the Griffin A-frame, which I love. It does everything I want it to do. But I did like the look of um, the book arc for, for iPad, absolutely. They were supposed to be making the silicon inserts better. Um, I wrote a blog post about it and they commented on it and said that they were aware that it didn't work properly with a case on and it was something they were working on. This looks really, really cool. Trouble with it is it's $30 and you know what that means? £30 plus VAT. Mm, mm. The, the Apple exchange rate. Uh, I'm afraid so. Well, this one wouldn't be Apple, would it? Um, I haven't seen it available, actually, for purchase in this country. Uh, Amazon have got it listed. I think it was £30 there. But they're saying deliveries up to five weeks. I'd really like to see one of these. I had a look at the Apple store and they haven't got it listed at all. I'm surprised Apple didn't think of making this. So it's called the Magic Wand and it's from 12 South. So we'll um, put the link in the show notes and let me know what you think. I really like the look of that. Yeah, and apparently Apple calls this way, where you work with your MacBook closed, Apple calls it the closed clamshell mode. Oh. And you can read specific instructions directly from the Apple tech support site. Cool. I hadn't noticed that. When I'm working on my laptop, it's open because I need to see the screen. Continuing on the uh, shopping theme, have you bankrupted yourself in the App Store yet? Oh, yes, the App Store. Well, now the dust has settled and the hyperbole exhausted, what are we left with? Um, I'm sure everybody's aware of this. It's a marketplace for Apple software. Apple get 30%. Some developers seem to love it. Others not so keen. Um, I have bought a few things, I must admit. Uh, first day, I bought Apple Remote Desktop because it was a bargain. Um, yeah, I, I think... wonder what the catch on that was. A lot of people said that because a lot of people were buying Aperture for the same price. It was $44.99, which by comparison to the boxed price is a complete bargain. So both of those products were, I think they've kind of made them lost leaders, haven't they? It sounds like it to pull people in, I presume. I think if you weren't thinking, if you're thinking, I'll just go and have a look, I'll just look. Uh, I certainly bought it straight away because I was thinking, I wonder if they've mispriced this or I wonder if it's um, a short term deal. I'd looked at Apple Remote Desktop before because I, I do manage all my Macs from one single machine um, and it, I couldn't justify the cost for the features. Um, I wasn't really installing. Um, what you can do with it is lots of admin stuff and I wasn't really doing that. I was just controlling it and, and manually getting the machines to do certain jobs. Uh, but for $44.99, it's been a revelation. So I probably would have paid more if I'd have actually had a chance to have a go with it first. Um, and then there was Aperture at the same price, which went down really well. I've heard of lots and lots of people who have either, you know, maybe they were thinking of Lightroom and they've changed to Aperture or they were using iPhoto and, and they've gone to Aperture because it was so cost effective. I'd be interested with that as to whether they're using these two as loss leaders. I'd be very interested because at that price, I can see people going for it. But really, Aperture is a professional level app and just because you've got a camera and just because you can take a few photos doesn't really mean that you actually need the features of Aperture. I'd be really interested to know what the costs of support have been to Apple. Has there been a peak in support calls about it where people are having problems either migrating their existing libraries or actually using the features? Um, some of the features in there are not available in iPhoto and they could be completely new to people. I would love to know that and I, I doubt Apple are going to tell us, are they? Is that covered in one-to-one um, -one training? 
Uh, it was when I did one-to-one -one many, many years ago. Um, it was unusual if people did it because a lot of the one-to-one -one trainers and, and things they, they were looking at were very, very basic. Um, I took one-to-one -to -one on a few months after I got a Mac and it didn't take me long to, to race through all the basic stuff and I was going in there for Final Cut Pro with um, a guy who was he actually had a business he worked there part-time his main business was um he was a film director he'd made some fantastic stuff so i was incredibly lucky to have sort of one-to-one -one with somebody so experienced with it and aperture uh, was one of the things that i covered then but i'm not too sure now because they've really really cut down on what you can do on one-to-one -one, haven't they yeah, I think you're right. To ridiculous levels. So they might, but I, it may be sort of semi-unofficial um, because it's far more structured now. And when I'd finished, um, I was talking to somebody in there and they showed me that what they'd made long after I stopped uh, going for it was they'd made course materials, kind of stuff you and I would use at work. These course materials had been written and they were very prescriptive of this is iPhoto and this is how to do this and this is how to do that. So it certainly wasn't as customised as it had been previously. I saw people take all sorts of their own jobs in and that was part of the appeal, to be honest. You could take something in that you were having problems with and come out with it finished. So to see them go from true one-on-one -on -one training to small groups of four or five that can be quite intimidating for people that they don't like asking questions that are totally on point to them but may not be relevant to the others so one-to-one -one training changed sadly uh, i didn't think for the better so i don't know whether that would actually be included now i know they they said no more to final cut pro oh, which would have not done me at all but i think there must be more support calls there must be but yes, I, I dashed in and I bought uh, Apple Remote Desktop so, and I bought a few other things as well. So um, purchasing process, I thought, was a doddle. Initially, it was actually too easy because it didn't even prompt you, are you sure? It just, oh, right, and it bought it. So some people had that. But they have, one of the things with Apple is that the way that the, the store is built, they have actually added that seamlessly and you've not had to update or anything like that. So now it does prompt you. But I know you've not actually bought too much. No, I've got a couple of freebies, actually. Um, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I got uh, Solitaire. It was really just for the experience of uh, of going in there. There was there was nothing that I well when I say there was nothing that I wanted. Um, yeah, the iTunes vouchers are on your account, and so it just made sense to uh, to to buy them through your account. So I thought for the experience, I'll go in and buy buy in inverted commas. I'll get something that's free. So I went for Solitaire. Takes me back to my Windows days. Oh, that's sad. And uh, Evernote as well. But um, the thing with Evernote is, as you told me, or as I asked you, does that mean I've got the, the cut-down version of it? There are a few features missing. Uh, the integration features, which I think that's pretty sad myself. I already had Evernote installed. I did download the store one and then have a look at the differences. Um, the thing is, if people don't know that those features were ever there, then they just won't know. And Evernote would not be as useful to them as it would be if they had the full, in inverted commas, version from the Evernote site. However, it, it worked very, very well for Evernote. They were reporting that they had got you know, hundreds of thousands more users. And I also heard from people I know who are, oh, and I mean die-hard fanboys, 
um, and they were saying, oh, isn't Evernote fabulous? Why have I not been using this for years? And I thought, what do you mean? And they literally only discovered it because it was in the store. So going in the store, even in a cut-down way, has obviously worked well for them. So you can't sort of criticise them for doing that. They should have come on your presentation last year. They should. They should, absolutely. But it's obviously worked well for them. You can't criticise them for doing that when it's improving... Well, they're getting more users. Probably some of those users will upgrade to the Pro one, and that, that funds future work, so it's working well for them. One of the main negatives for me is um, the death of the trial version. I mean, I, I don't trial everything and obviously not every piece of software that we ever uh, have is uh, has a trial version but there's quite a few uh, software apps and you probably do it more than me um, you do want to try before you buy I have done for, for a lot of apps especially sort of quite expensive apps one that springs to mind I'm not sure if it's in the store you can have, have a look while, while I explain it is Curio uh, and that was, I don't think that would go in the store, but you never know. Um, I did download the trial version of that, and it was a very short trial. I think it was only about two weeks. But what they did let you do was request a longer trial, and I did. And this longer trial can be up to 90 days, I think. It was a very long trial. And I did elect to use it for pretty much the whole of the trial period because it's one of those applications you know when you get really excited and you think oh this is cool look it does this and it does that and then you realize sort of a couple of weeks later that actually that's cool but you don't actually use it the reason i was looking at curio at all was because i'd had a problem with circus pony's notebook and although the two on the one hand they could do the same job if you use them that way but curio i would say it's very very different in concept i can do a lot more with curio so i did use the entire trial that's probably one of the very few times that i have so for for things like that i i would use the trial version i was surprised that that sprang to your mind when we talked about it because I think most of the software you end up with is me saying, oh, this is fantastic. Here, install it. Yeah, but not everything. You'll find something and ask me to have a look at it. Oh, I do. I do, because sometimes I think you need a sort of clean pair of eyes on it, especially if I'm trialling it for a particular purpose. And it may just, you know, work for what I want it to work for. And then you'll say, yeah, but yeah, such and such could do that. Or no, it doesn't work for this. So... Yeah, but I still thought it was some. I was surprised that, that you were con concerned about that. I think the lack of a trial version in certain applications is reflected in the price. I've noticed a lot of applications more akin to iOS pricing. And I think that, well, that was all that was discussed when uh, the iPhone first came out, that the software was quite inexpensive and that it would... Um, bring to people's minds maybe you're overpaying for desktop software if iOS software is so much cheaper and I've certainly seen an explosion in applications under sort of five pounds but I don't think they're the kind of applications they're, they're applications that would probably do a very specific job and they're not intended to be all-encompassing now that's just just my take on that I think the price and I've seen lots and lots of special offers as well. So some are trying to get a sort of foothold in their particular niche market. And it is reflected in the price. And sometimes you're looking at a 90% discount as well. So I think you would have to wait and see how that pans out. I know I read lots and lots the sort of week that the store launched. And it was a lot of it left lots of questions because you need it to settle down and you need to see what happens. 
And um, I'd say trial versions would concern me, depending on the price. One of the things I found was great was it, uh, we've said it's simple to buy, but the fact that I don't have to manage serial numbers is fabulous because I do do that at the moment and it is the bane of my life. I was keeping purchase information in DevonThink and I have and I was also putting serial numbers in DevonThink as well. Um, what I've done since I set up my last machine, which was about 11 months ago, I've also, as I've been installing new software and reinstalling old software, I've also put the serial numbers into one password, which is brilliant. It works really, really well and it's a simple matter of just copy and paste. But this is even easier. There are no serial numbers. There's nothing to manage. And I found that disconcerting at first. I'm thinking purchase correspondence. Oh, there isn't any. Um, but it's working well and I'm liking that. Another downside for me, I'm, you know, I'm sounding like a grumpy old man, aren't you I? You are. Another mm. downside for me. But another downside is you don't get a copy of the install files. And I like that touchy, touchy, feely, feely, stick it in a folder when I've installed it. So if I need to reinstall it, I can. Well, the idea is that if you want to install it on another machine, because obviously it supports uh, all the machines that you own, which is a nice touch, I must admit, that is a nice touch. Um, that you don't have to worry about it. Now, I agree with you, though, because I had a couple of problems in relation to what if I need to reinstall. I had the problem with uh, Courier that it would not be told that it wasn't installed. So that was a huge problem. It meant you couldn't actually purchase it because even though I'd app zapped it and uninstalled it, manually rebooted and all of that, I could not get it uninstalled. So I had to purchase on another machine. That would say to me, if I'd got a problem and I needed to reinstall it, how on earth would I reinstall it? Because you don't get a sort of reinstall or fix the install button. I'd like to see something like that. And another issue which is could be potentially more significant than that is we talked about Pixelmator and it being broken. Once you've updated, you can't then go back to the store and say, just a minute, can you give me the one from two versions ago, the one that was working? So they certainly haven't thought through that. When I download, previously when I've downloaded software, I do keep the DMGs and I keep them for quite a few versions back. Every now and then I'll have a purge. But what I do is I have a folder for every application. And within that folder, I have two other folders. I have an admin folder and a previous versions folder. I put all the correspondence in the admin folder and I put all the old versions in the previous versions folder. And then I leave in the root of the original folder just one install file. So if I have a Pixelmator issue and I want to go back to 1.6.2, all I've got to do is find the Pixelmator folder, go to previous versions, find the one I want and reinstall it. You can't do that with the App Store. Now, that wouldn't be too much of a problem if, when they realised there was a problem, they could get a fix out to you quickly. But there doesn't seem to be much happening with the App Store quickly either. So I agree up to a point with the install files. I don't think it matters too much as long as everything works well, which is obviously how Steve's planned it. Oh, everything will work fine. Don't worry about it. You know, Steve, one line replies, not a problem, but it is a problem if you're trying to use some software and it's broken. I honestly don't know what they could do about that. Even a reinstall button wouldn't help. 
in those circumstances. Now what you could do is, and, and this is what Pixelmator have said, if you're in this situation, go to the Pixelmator site and download the trial version or download an old trial version and use that. But they're forgetting then that you're going to, you could potentially have a problem that you can't then reinstall Pixelmator because it thinks it's already installed. And while you're playing about like this, all your configuration files are going. So all the brushes and things that you've set up, you've got to back them up and reinstall them and generally juggle. And that's not supposed to be what the experience is supposed to be like. So I love the idea you can put it on multiple machines, but I'm not too happy with the lack of control that I could have if they release a version that has a problem. And we've all seen it with iOS. There have been Twitter clients released. Ecophon this week released an update and it's not all there. It's certainly, it's far from all being there. They've actually broken things that were previously working. So with that, I can go to my backup and I can roll it back myself. With this, I probably have to back up the .app file manually, which makes a mockery of the fact it's easier to use the store. Yeah, that's, as I said, that's my particular issue. And you know, I can see your issue with that because we all know that you're a control freak, don't we? Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> no, I'll admit that I am. I am with my software. I, I've actually stuck with Pixelmator because I've got um, Photoshop working. But if I didn't have Photoshop working, I probably would have had to have rolled it back. And then you, you have got problems. You can actually take a .app file from one machine to another. So just pick up the .app file from your applications folder and put it on another machine. So you could do that manually. What would then happen is it would prompt you and you would have to put in your iTunes username and password. It would, I think the message says something like, this was not purchased on this machine, please verify. So you could do it that way, but it, I don't think that was what was intended. The idea was that it's um, a level playing field for sort of people who are less experienced at software management and all they have to do is click a button. So it goes completely against that ethos that you've got to do so much by hand to be absolutely certain that it will work when you install it. But like I said, I do like the fact that you can use it on multiple machines because I'm forever juggling activated software. But the fact that you can do that and the fact that that is a rule is also the reason why you won't find certain software in the store. I would love to have bought via the store ScreenFlow and be able to install it on all my Macs. But I can't do that. It's not available. And the version that you buy is activated and limited to two machines. That's why, as well, I was surprised to see Camtasia in the store. Camtasia in the store is $59.99. Um, I think that's $99. And that is in the store. Now, as far as I'm aware, Camtasia was also activated and limited to two machines. But maybe not, because I had a problem with Camtasia. I have um, a version of Camtasia, Camtasia 1 for Mac, and I had it on my main machine. And because it, I assumed it was activated, because it certainly dials out to its mothership, I had left it on this machine that is no longer my main machine. I wore it out, you know, as I do. And I hadn't put it on my new machine, because I had got in touch with TechSmith and they couldn't tell me how to deactivate it. So I just left it because I actually use ScreenFlow far more than Camtasia. Um, I then decided I'd install Camtasia on my new Mac and if it didn't like it, then I'd have to really bite the bullet and get onto support. Oh, it just wears me out thinking about it. And it installed and activated itself fine. Now I have only got it on two machines. I don't know if it would start complaining at the three point, 
but they are in the store and the rule in the store is you can have it on all the machines you own. Now if I compare Camtasia with ScreenFlow I still probably go for ScreenFlow. The Windows version of Camtasia is fantastic. It's so feature rich. It has a lot more features than ScreenFlow but the Mac version is very uh, much in its infancy and it, there is a lot of features missing from it. So I already have a version of Camtasia. What I'm going to be interested in seeing is down the line, can I put my version of Camtasia, which is not in the, via the App Store, on as many Macs as I want? So watch this space. I'll probably find that out. So I think that's why certain software isn't going to be in the store. And of course, there'll be no Adobe software in the store either. Oh, for many, many reasons. Or do you think the price box would actually take that many zeros? I don't know. And of course, you've got the download as well. Can you imagine every machine that you want to install Creative Suite on, you've got to download it? That would take forever, wouldn't it? I think the install for Master Collection is around the 9 gig mark. And then you have another sort of 2 gig, 3 gig and 5 gig files, which are all the data um, that you might need. So extras, templates and things like that. So I can't see that. And also there's the 30% because, you know, 30% of a couple of pounds seems a lot less than 30% of whatever Adobe want to charge. Do I can't see Adobe wanting to give that to Apple. I was just going to make that point, actually. No, mm. I can't see that. And it would definitely kill your fair usage policy from your ISP. Oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Had trouble with them this week as well. So, uh, no, there's no way I think I could do that. Um, the other thing, of course, is like I've said with I've got Camtasia, there's no transition for existing customers, which I can see that it would just make it a lot more complicated for Apple. But I'm curious about the way that certain companies have handled that. There's been so many different ways that they've handled it. Um, some companies such as Pixelmator have said pretty much tough. We're moving to the App Store when it comes to version two and you won't be able to buy it anywhere else. They have to soften the blow, put the price down to only £18 or $30. But pretty much what they're asking you to do is to that you get a free update if you pay again. But you are at the point that you are paying again for the software you already have. So, oh, I kicked that one around for a while because ideologically that's not really good, I yeah, don't think. I don't agree with that at all. You you buy rebuying it just because it's in a different uh, format or a different um, you know purchase channel, sales channel, whatever you want to call it. I would agree with that. I mean, I I did think that's a bit sharp practice. Uh, but they're they're saying that they're giving you version two for free. Well, as long as it's quick here, quicker than uh, Tweety Two, that's not too bad. <laughs> oh yes, because there was the, the fiasco with Tweety Two, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, I honestly don't know. Without you, could look at it either way. Uh, is it worth £18 as a piece of software? I'd have to say it is. It's not Photoshop. Don't think that you're going to buy it and it's going to be Photoshop, but it is a very capable and very quick editor. For the and average it... user, um, it, it is. It's. I've used it. I don't need all the functionality of Photoshop. Oh, it's hard when when you use both because... If I'm going to edit a photo, I'm probably going to do it in Photoshop. It'll be faster for you, I'd have thought, in Photoshop. Well, even if Photoshop's running slower, because like I said, Pixelmator does move incredibly quickly. Photoshop has features in it that I know how to use intimately, and therefore I can use them much, much faster. Pixelmator for me is like going back to sort of Photoshop 5. 
the features that it's got, sort of the magic wand, the marquee tool, you can select this way, this way or this way, are not as advanced as Photoshop. But if what you want to do is sort of uh, some cloning and stamping, as long as you're not using the version I've got because that's what's broken, then it's pretty much the same. So is it worth £18? I think it is. And like I've said, I'm possibly I'm slightly odd. Don't agree with that too quickly, people. But like Twitter clients, I don't think you can ever have too many because one day one's going to stop working. And that has happened to us. With editing software, as, as I said last week, I had a problem with Photoshop. I went to Pixelmator, then I had a problem with Pixelmator, then I went back to Photoshop and it's okay. I'm not suggesting that you should have sort of 20 applications on your desktop that can edit photos. And if what you want to do is sort of crop something or resize it, then there's nothing wrong with preview. Absolutely nothing wrong with preview. But if you do need to edit a photo and you need to edit it in a more advanced way and something isn't working for whatever the reason, then you're cutting off your nose to spite your face if you don't have a second option. I had a, a problem when we're talking about you're talking about trial versions. I have a legitimate copy of uh, Master Collection, and I'm sure I've told people this. I installed it on my laptop when I was ill, so I, I was in bed, feet up, yes, tech enabled nighty on, and I installed it. I didn't have access at that point to the serial number, so I thought oh, I'll install it as a trial. It'll be fine. Put serial number in later. And when I came to put the serial number in, it just wouldn't take it. So 30 days later, that was it. Now, obviously, you think, well, uninstall it. Big pain. You know, it's going to take three and a half hours to reinstall it. But you, you can't completely uninstall it. If you could do that, then what people would do is just run the trial on a 30-day basis continually. So I was on to Adobe Support, and the upshot of it was you have to rebuild the machine. Now, if I'm in that position and I need to edit a photo, I've not got time for that. So I'll just use Pixelmator or something else. And that's why I would say it is worth the money. Now, having said that, you can't guarantee that you will get version two. And if you've already got version one, you're going to be very peeved about paying again. It depends whether in your circumstances you think it's worth it for you. So I know your opinion was you must be joking. It, that was my initial reaction. I did warm to it slightly after that. Uh, but that's the, that's the approach they've taken, that they're going exclusive in the Apple Store. That obviously works for them. They know their own business best. Another approach has been the Omni Group, which is we're keeping both open at the moment. Now, whether that will change in the future, I don't know. I would have liked to see some way to transition to the App Store if you chose to. You know, if you want to stay downloading it from the website, fine. If you want to use the store, fine. But that's not actually easy without repurchasing. Now, one company who did manage it was Real Mac. Now, what they did was with Courier, they offered a refund to any purchasers. Now, it's only been available since September. So we're not talking years and years worth of people. They also greatly reduced the price. So I read it and I thought, well, which, you know, you're saying you give a refund, a refund of what? The price you paid in the App Store or the price you originally paid. Now, the difference was around £15. Uh, in store, I think it's around the £3 mark, something like that, maybe 5 And it was originally around the £18 to £19 mark. So it made a big difference which refund they were prepared to give you. So I went through the process and thought, let's see if this works. There was a couple of hiccups, but it did work and I did get the refund through and it was the refund of the original price. 
So in a way, you're getting the software through the App Store now. That that from Real Mac is completely App Store only. They're not selling it on their own site anymore. So they're obviously using that to test the waters. And they just gave you a complete refund, even though it was more than 60 days ago. So that's one way that companies could do it. I suppose somebody like the Omni Group have got so many different applications and so many users and so many different license types as well. They're educational and there's... Um, small business licenses, there's family licenses, it would probably be far too time consuming and cost effective for them. It wouldn't, wouldn't be cost effective. Yeah, it's just a, a logistical nightmare, isn't it? It would be, but unless Apple come up with something else, then one of those three approaches, the one from Pixelmator, which is we're App Store only, the one from Omni, which is, you know, use either, or the one from Real Mac with Courier, will give you money back. You're going to have to take one of them because there's no other alternative, is there? Mm. Another gotcha really is they're saying, and this is why some of the developers are saying it's fantastic, that you're on every Mac desktop. But you're not really because it's only 10.6.6 upwards. And that surprised me too because I didn't think with the software, clearly some of the software works with older versions of the Mac OS than that. So I wonder why they elected not to support older versions. I think that's a shame. Yeah, I think, you know, not everybody, and I know from people I follow on Twitter, not everybody has upgraded to the latest point release of the operating system, and it it is restrictive. Well, I don't know why, but, you know... I have to say, Apple are just doing what they usually do, which is marching forward, and you'll all march forward with them in the end. Uh, you mentioned the restricted functionality within the apps. I didn't think the Evernote one was um, a showstopper, but I was greatly concerned when I heard about BB Edit, which is BB Edit, one of the features is that you can open system files, and when you come to save them, you can uh, authenticate yourself, and it will save that system file. Now, I used to do that with a host's file, um, when I was trying to develop with an IIS server locked inside a Parallels install of Windows. So I've done that and I've seen it in action. And what they had to do to get their products, which was BB Edit and Text Wrangler, in the store was take away that functionality. And the BB Edit uh, mailing list exploded when people found out. Um, they were really, really concerned about that. But those are the rules. Whether those rules would ever be relaxed, I don't know. But that was the change and people were horrified. Now, having said that, the people who were horrified actually had a version that they'd had for years. So they weren't buying it through the store, but they were very concerned. Another thing I saw was which um, that I use. Uh, it's um, I use it because I want to tab between open um, application windows within an application, like, like in a Windows way. Um, so it runs as a preference pane and they had to change how the whole thing ran. So it now runs as an app, you open it up, it runs as an app, you set it all up, and then you just close it, which isn't obvious, or it wasn't obvious with the original version that was in the store. Uh, you close it, and at that point it says, do you want me to keep this running, which obviously you do, um, and then you just close it. So it's running sort of completely headless now. There's no going into the preference pane. You would actually have to rerun the app and make changes to it which I thought was a bit odd. Um, I don't know whether they're not allowing preference panes or whether there was some other reason that which did that. Uh, but they did have a nice offer on it uh, for the first week or so. So it was a good way to get licenses for all your machines very cost effectively. But it was quite disconcerting. It worked in such a different way. 
The other thing that concerned me more was the approval process. Not particularly the process, because we all know it's a black box. Apple either say yes or no, and they very seldom give reasons. It was the time it took. Pixelmator uh, 1.6.5, they knew as soon as the store opened that they needed to update it. And they assured us that they had put in the version that they wanted approved, which was 1.6.5, and it took over four weeks. Now, obviously, Pixelmator is a big program, but some of the there was two particular things. One they didn't fix, was, which was this stamping process. But the other was there was a whole slew of menu options missing. So if you'd bought it from the uh, App Store in that time frame, then the only thing you could do was what they suggested, which was uninstall it and download the trial. Not ideal. And like I've said, heaven knows if you would actually manage to get that installed afterwards when uh, 1.6.5 came out, I thought that was a ridiculously long period of time for an approval, especially considering the application was already in the store. So you shouldn't really have to start from scratch with that approval. And then, of course, you've got no upgrade prices, so I can't wait to see what happens when a, a completely new version of something comes out and you've got to rebuy. We don't seem to mind doing, doing that with iLife and iWork, do we? Yeah, but it's so cheap, really, isn't it? I think for what you get it is, cheap. then you're back to the fact of the price having an impact on your perception of it. Um, I think if, I mean, even upgrade prices on Adobe stuff is astronomical. So how cheap would something have to be before you don't moan about it? it would depend on the product. <laughs> depend so, on what, how much I use it. Mm, it's going to be it's going to be difficult, but uh, I don't think we're going to see that until we get some new ones. But I think this is something we will um, be talking about for a long, long, long time. I'm happy about it that I that there are easy installs of the applications that you do get the automatic updates. I although I have been prompted to install updates three times on the same machine. I think that was just a blip. I'm go I'm thinking when I get a new machine, it'll be great to just go to the app store and say install the lot. I'm thinking that will save a lot of time. That but, would be good. like I've said, we're bound to be talking about this for a long time. There's bound to be things that come out that we haven't even thought of yet. But for now, oh, I don't think we've had it long enough to um, draw any final conclusions. So that's where we're up to at the moment of the App Store. Yeah, one thing before we do finish on the App Store is I did search for Curio and it's come up with... The Jim and Frank Mysteries, The Blood River Files. With hours and hours of gameplay, 60 puzzles and 8 mini-games and a cast of nearly 30 characters, this isn't a game you should miss. Now, I've read the whole blurb twice and I can't find the word Curio or even Curious or anything similar in there. It's so a con! I think they need to improve the search facility as well. <laughs> Well, clearly Curio isn't there. Curio is a fabulous piece of software, but it is, again, so integrated. That's actually integrated with Evernote. So uh, you could have double problems with, with a piece of software like that if neither's talking to the other. Ah, well, what can you do? But now it's time for our first batch of Mac Love Bites. Ooh. Yeah, we've had a few uh, replies this week. And uh, from Simon, the first one who says, I love all things, and... No, 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 you've read it wrong. Try again. Yeah, I love all things I. Oh, yes, I. I. I, Mac. Ah, yes. I love iPad. all things I and Apple Tech, but I'm really loving my new HD socialised webcam at the moment. Oh, 
I don't think I've seen that. No, I've not seen it. Maybe he could send a picture. Do you mean a picture of him or a picture of the camera? Mm, of the camera. I think Simon should do as a review, don't you? Now, that's a good idea. Simon's Simon? got a toy that we haven't got. Yeah. McJim, the real McJim. He says, I love my MacBook Pro, my iPad, my iPhone, but the one I couldn't be without is my... Is it Leica? Leica? Leica. Leica? Leica Deluxe 5 digital camera. It's a small pocketable camera with a fast lens and the resulting photographs are better than the ones I get from my Nikon, Nikon D90. It's based on the pa Panasonic... You can tell I'm not into photography, can't you? Oh, yes. It's based on the Panasonic Deluxe 5 but with a slightly better software and the red dot logo. I can't afford a proper Leica such as the M9, so it will do till I get a lotto win. Sounds great. I haven't got one of those either. These people have got toys I haven't got. Mm, I'm sure I we've got toys they haven't got, though. Mm, true. I wasn't expecting this. I'm getting distraught. <laughs> anyway, Mark comes along and Mark says... This is Mark Dalton. I really love sorting all the jelly babies in a packet into colour groups and then lining them up. Yes, wait for it, there's more. While I flick Maltesers at them like cannonballs, eating the fallen and, of course, the cannonball. Don't think he's totally got the idea of the concept right here, has he? No. But then again, if it makes him happy. Of course, you shouldn't mention Maltesers to a woman who hasn't had any chocolate for over two years. Just biting the table there. But he redeems himself because he says, Oh, and Mac bites. So he loves us as well. He does. Thank you, Mark. And actually, I've got a confession to make. I'm sure last week I mixed up my Muck Jim and my Mac Jim, for which I humbly apologise. I've been talking to them both. This is why. So it's the real Muck Jim. I'm sure I got them mixed up. I think you did. I think I we got We were them talking about making a 27-inch iMac portable. Mm. Yes. So uh, I, I apologise profusely. But we heard from the real McJim. I'm going to let you do this one. I'm not pretending to have a Scottish accent. I'm not going to say it into a no, Scottish No, I don't think accent. you should either because I've heard it. I wouldn't like to offend him. He you says, wouldn't like to offend the Scots. He says... So read it in English and offend the English. He says, I like the show, but more often, please... Uh, what you mean I'm into leather, not me, Jimmy. And then he uh, he made a comment aimed at you. He says, lost your voice, eh? Did you use Find My Voice app to get it back? I didn't. I should have thought of this. <laughs> that was good. We should, Yes, we should have said that last week. Chin chin, I'm off to hunt for my tea, a wee haggis. The trick is to chase them round the hill, the wrong way round the hill, so they fall over as they've got one leg shorter than the other. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen haggis. No. No, I don't think I've had it either. I don't think I've eaten haggis. I've not had haggis. I wonder if I'd know. I wonder if it's that sort of thing that I'd know if I had. Anyway, I don't think I have. I shall have to ask my parents, did I as a child? Because I did visit Scotland as a child. So who knows? Maybe I did. I shall find out. We also heard from Minster as well, who said, Minster needs his fix. So he was so excited to get a new episode. Also took his life in his hands by listening to some over lunch. Crazy, Minster. Crazy. But it gets better. We actually heard from Minster this week too. I'm so excited, can't you tell? So without further ado, Minster's first showing on MacBytes. 
Hi, Matt Bites. It's Minster68 here. Uh, thought I would uh, drop you a voice memo using my iPhone. Uh, it's the first time I've used the app on the iPhone for doing a voice memo. I think this is attempt 13 now, so hopefully 13th time should be lucky. Um, just wanted to um, say that I had a solution that you could possibly try out for getting your work calendar onto your iPhone if your company doesn't su support uh, Exchange or I think it's ActiveSync that you use for the more modern servers now to uh, synchronize with your um, iPhone. I had a problem before with my previous company where they had a very old uh, Exchange system so it didn't support the iPhone. Uh, what I did was set up a contact in Outlook to, um, f uh, which was my Gmail account just labelled it as my iPhone and then set a simple rule up within Outlook to forward all meeting requests to my to this email address which I can then sync because Google was um, a lot easier to sync your Google calendar to your iPhone uh, and then set any appointments up on my calendar as a meeting inviting that Gmail account um, the only thing is any um, recurring events or meetings that are booked before uh, you've set this up obviously won't be on your calendar um, but any f meetings uh, once you've done it they will transfer across and also um, if you invite people if you create if you're the meeting creator obviously you need to invite your iPhone so people will then see that you're inviting this strange uh, invitee to the meeting which uh, did keep everyone amused at my uh, old company, um, seeing that I'd invited my iPhone to the meetings. Uh, I just told them it was because uh, I was trying to convert them to the way of the Mac, which uh, they all found very amusing, considering they're all using Windows. God, dear me. Um, anyway, yeah, it's a solution. Yeah, worth a try, so thought I would drop a quick memo. Um, also, just wanted to say, great to have the shows back really enjoy them um, please keep them coming and hope to hear a new show soon okay thanks yeah thanks for that minster um i'll give that a go this week and i'll report back um the only issues i've got are that other people had appointments to my calendar so i'd then have to go and amend them to include my iphone as an attendee um which i wonder what those people would then think if their appointments got amended and also my team think I'm mad anyway, but then if I start adding my iPhone to appointments that don't involve my team, I think it would just add to my reputation across the company. In other words, they think you're barking mad to start with. Yes. Hmm. Works for me. And we also heard from Steve. It was great to hear from Steve. He agrees with the real McJim. More backbites, please. And I actually got to chat with Steve as well. It's been quite a week, hasn't it? I've been so busy socialising. I was recording Chit Chat Across the Prond with Alison for Nazillacast 300. And Steve was terrifying me with tales of the time he starts the day. Pretty much when I'm going to bed. My story is, of course, that I work Pacific time. Anyway, I told him to prepare for a surprise. And here it is. Another MacBite within 10 days of the last one. Go on, Steve. Admit it. You're impressed, aren't you? So what did you talk about? Training. Yes, my professional life. And did she get the full story of the uh, the great Yorkshire yomp out of you? Uh, well, that's it for this episode. Just a minute. The MacBiters need to hear this. Oh, no. OK, OK. Next time, I promise. Watch this space for the full 
unexpurgated version of the Great Yorkshire Yomp. But now it really is. That's it for this episode of MacBytes. But as always, we love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com or you can use the form on the website to set, or even send us an audio file as well. How about leaving a comment on the show notes at macbytes.co.uk or sign up for the newsletter, any page at macbytes.co.uk. You can also follow uh, MacBytes on Twitter at twitter.com slash MacBytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. But until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. Ooh, that was long. It was. I like the ooh. <laughs>